0: we can become the living, breathing, wonderworking saints that the world so desperately needs. Hello, and welcome to episode 153 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and this time I have interviewed Dave Plisky. He is the director of product and innovation and the head of DeSales Tech, um, and where he doesn't just lead a software services team that focuses on modernizing the church uh, through products and services for any of us who <clears throat> are going to mass uh, or are working in a parish, you know how desperately we need innovation, uh, especially on in the technology side within church. Seems like we're still using uh, paper and pencil uh, to do so many things, but he is involved in that. But one of the things that he spent this last year doing was in organizing a study of, you know, surveying Catholics who consider themselves intentional disciples. And so Dave and I sat down and we talked about one, why, you know, they did this, and then also about what the results were. And one of the great things is, is that this survey is, uh, the results are completely free and accessible to you. And so I was really excited to talk about different things in the report, specifically about evangelization and things that were near and dear to my heart, like spiritual direction. But we talked about lots of other things as well. But the biggest part is, is that I really want to highlight how it is that using assessment really can help us be able to continue to grow and deepen our journey. For us to continue to grow in our faith and our understanding and our knowledge, but also in our capacity to be able to live out this life of discipleship. And many times we're afraid to assess because we kind of think, oh, I'm not doing so great. And we have this really weird kind of, you know, shadow side of ourselves where, again, we're thinking we're not doing so well. But the reality is probably quite different. Um, You're probably doing better than you think you are. Um, I just kind of did the same thing for myself, kind of looking in and saying, okay, what have I achieved? What have I, you know, been uh, productive doing? And one of the things that came out was the fact that I actually was doing better in some areas than I thought. So, I'm hoping that this conversation with Dave was totally fascinating uh, to begin with, but I hope this conversation with Dave really helps you be able to dig deeper and be able to yourself become a more intentional disciple in the years ahead. So see you guys on the flip side. Hello, this is Christina Simmons and welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined me today and with me is... A little bit different person um, from who I might necessarily uh, interact with. But I so wanted to have this conversation because this is of such importance for us to really have an understanding about our own journey and also about being able to help other people be able to continue on their journey. And so, uh, anyway, I'll let uh, Dave Plisky go ahead. Hey, Dave, uh, thanks for joining me. Nice and. To be here, uh, Christina. Ah, uh, and w- would you just kind of introduce yourself in the sense of, uh, you know, what, what it is that you do and uh, and where it is that you're located right now?
1: Sure. Um, uh, I am the Director of Product and Innovation at DeSales Media. Uh, it's a ministry in the Diocese of Brooklyn. I personally live in Connecticut, so I'm a little bit north of there. I work from home, something mm-hmm. that was uh, I very fortunate to have right before COVID actually started. So that was, that was very lucky. Uh, but yeah, so we're a ministry that does... Um, news and uh, and st- kind of studio and t- television work, education work, agency work, like uh, uh, you know, creative mar- marketing, uh, video production <laughs> sort, of, sort of stuff. And finally, technology. So all, all kinds of things, uh, serving parishes, schools, ministries, and dioceses.
0: Awesome. Well, um, a, as you said, uh, you know, you're, you're in a position of where, uh, just because of, uh, circumstances, uh, you're, you're working from home. Um, but how is it that you got to doing what it is that you're doing? Could you share with our listeners a little bit about your own journey?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a cradle Catholic, um, from Southern California uh, I I grew up in a family. I figured we were a religious family. We went just we went to church on Sundays. Little did I know that's yeah. not really how it works. And you know, uh, so it, it was. It's been a long road, and it continues to be a long road of discipleship for me. Um, you know, in, in college, I started to learn that community really plays a big part in this. You know, and it's it's really helpful to be journeying together. Um, and I had a, a moment where I was well, it was more than a moment, but over a year where I was really not going to mass anymore. Mm
0: -hmm. I was,
1: I was really struggling in my faith. And that really lasted until I met the person who was to become my wife. Uh, And we sort of led each other back to church, Um, sort of this beautiful thing where she was going to an evangelical service and she invited me and I went and we went a couple times and together and I was just missing the Eucharist. And I was like, would you mind if we went to mass this time? And so we kind of, and she's like, yeah, I actually was brought up Catholic, but I never received my sacraments. And so we were able to, you know, do that. And she received all of them before we got, before we got married. So she received about five sacraments in two months, which is pretty amazing. Um, But yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was was a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. uh, happily uh, much more serious about my faith these days, which is, um, which is, which is a beautiful thing, praise Mm -hmm.
0: God. Praise God indeed. And so what brought your path to cross with the sales media?
1: Yeah, so um, I've been doing marketing my whole career basically. And when I got to New York, I was living in Prospect Heights, which is a neighborhood in Brooklyn uh, where the co-cathedral of St. Joseph is. So that was my parish. And, uh, actually I was there when it got elevated to c- the status of go mm-hmm. cathedral. Um, my pastor happened to also be the chairman of a company called the sales media. And, mm-hmm. um, so he and I were, were friends, um, and we would go to dinner and so forth. And I remember telling him one day about a year in, you know, I, this kept happening to me in, in companies where I would just, I would kind of get, it just didn't feel like it was. I was doing anything meaningful you know I would just I was like at the end of the day I feel like I'm just helping the CEO get rich and this isn't this isn't fulfilling for me so I told him you know I said something silly like how how can I work for the holy See remotely or something like that he's like what are you talking about (laughs) Uh, but he kept it in the back of his mind and you know the same sort of thing started happening at the next job I was at in a tech startup and it's just you know, and and meanwhile, uh, the person who was doing the marketing and digital at DeSales was leaving. So he started interviewing me for the role. He had kept that in the back of his mind that I was interested in working for the church, and lo and behold, uh, it worked out. So that's yeah. how I got there. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. So um you, you kind of gave a brief overview of what the sales media does, you know. Um, but in, in a certain sense, uh, this kind of, this study, and this is why I wanted to bring you on, talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it seemed to be a little bit different of a role than what the sales Media has done. Could, could yeah. you kind of bring a little bit about, you know, kind of the origin story the you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So, you know, it <laughs> my role is an interesting one. I, I lead a team called Software and Services, where we bring um, kind of modern communications technology to, Uh, Like I was saying, you know, so like, for example, websites, email communications, live mastering, those types of things to parishes, we do the same sorts of things for schools, uh, ministries and other dioceses. And so a lot of this work is what we call B2B, business to business sort of stuff, right? Where We're giving them tools that they can use to then reach their parish, the faithful, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But we said to ourselves, well, you know, we're not. We're missing a whole a whole group of people that are not, you know, in the places that we're serving. We'd love to be able to go directly to consumers. In this case, the faithful, mm-hmm. and and serve them directly. And and what would that look like? And we had some hunches about what maybe they need, um, but but in order to figure out how exactly to approach that. So again, you can mind, I'm, I'm the, I'm thinking from a marketing mm-hmm. standpoint. So right. I think in terms of the marketing funnel. And so what that means is when brands or companies are trying to sell something, they basically, you start with the whole world of people who do not know you exist. And you bring them in. You let them know you exist through some kind of effort, and mm-hmm. that's called awareness. And now, like some people are at the top of your funnel. And then, if you if you're able to reach them further and teach them about your product or your brand or whatever it is, then you've brought them into the next phase of the funnel called consideration. Now they're mm-hmm. learning about you. If you can get them even further down the funnel, then they might actually consider consideration uh, the the purchase and, and make that purchase. Great, you've had conversion. We even call it that in sales. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then, what, but you don't you don't you're not done that yet, right? You want them to be repeat customers. You want them to come back. It's why loyalty programs exist. So you really want this, this loyal customer. And really you want a customer so loyal that they are willing to go and tell people all about it it's called a brand advocate. And these are the people mm-hmm. that can't hold back. They just love that product so much. I think of you know Harley Davidson guy that's got like the tattoo of the mm-hmm. logo emblazoned on his on his uh bicep. So mm-hmm. that you know, that's that's brand advocacy. What does that sound like? Sounds a heck of a lot like missionary discipleship, if you ask me. You know, this is these are the people who are going out, they're on fire for the Lord, they they have the joy of the gospel about them and they want to bring other people in to meet to meet that person, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, if it's true that that evangelization basically is marketing, and I think it is, then uh, what we wanted to do is is to say how can what what are the unmet needs of these intentional disciples who are going out on mission and bringing other people into the church and, and doing that invitation piece, um, mm-hmm. and so that's why we that's why we commission. I mean, look, some people you know, kind of have the attitude that the church just needs the Holy Spirit. We don't need like things like data. I just, I mean, I think that the Holy Spirit gave us the gift of this type of data that we, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we are able to actually uh, you know, do this kind of thing. We hadn't seen any research on this, you know, uh, so far, uh, specifically on Catholic intentional disciples in the U.S. And so we, we wanted to ask a whole bunch of questions about their faith lives and about what their unmet needs might be. And that's how this, that's how this happened.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you did. Um, and uh, although uh, we could have a whole separate discussion um, about evangelization, uh, about and uh, missionary discipleship, and and marketing, mm-hmm. there definitely is correlation, um, you know, going on. Um, but I guess my my uh, argument, if anything, to that would be, um, unlike marketing, it's not a superficial relationship;
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather, it's an intentional one of Uh, personal accompaniment with one another in in the body of Christ in particular. So, uh, but no, I totally get it. And I, and I totally agree uh, about uh, church, you know, in general tends to be very resistant to quote the secular world and what it has. And I think there's so much that could be brought as long as it's put at the service of our Lord. And that's what you guys did. And that's why I absolutely loved it. Um, So you began with folk, um, you know, so before we get into the results, I just want to ask the question for you just elaborate a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you were looking at particularly intentional disciples. So how did you categorize someone as an intentional disciple as you were trying to get this into the hands of the right people out there?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And that's an important, the methodology is an important question in this case. Um, so when we started doing this study, so by the way, we, we, we uh, teamed up with a, with a research firm called Vinia Research to be able to do this. And mm-hmm. typically the way you go about finding the audience is to rent a list of people in this case, of people who said that they're Catholic, self-identify as Catholic. And we did that and it yielded zero uh, people mm-hmm. that were passing our kind of bar basically. And so we kind of, we had to put our, all right, so I, I basically made a long list of organizations that I thought audiences would be full of intentional disciples. Mm-hmm. And I contacted those people, whether I knew them or I didn't. And I said, please work with us, get the get this, on, get this survey out to your audience. You said you might've even been in that audience. So I appreciate you taking the <laughs> survey, Christina. Um, and, uh, and you know what's in it for us is we, we get the numbers that we need to, to have statistical significance. And what's in it for you is you will get access to this data for free. Um, and, and so the way we did that was we had four screener questions at the beginning of the study. Um, they were, are you Christian? Are you Catholic? Are you um, in the US? And do you attend mass at least once a week? And <laughs> since this was being done between May and December of 2021, And COVID was still very much a thing in certain places. Uh, We allowed for online mass attendance to count as mass attendance, because that's all some people could do at the time. Um, In addition to that, after seeing the results, we further narrowed it down a little bit just to make sure that we're really honing in on what we what we consider to be, you know, without trying to be judgy (laughs) and without, you know, because it's so difficult to it's so difficult to make assumptions about people's interior lives based on external signals, right? We, we don't really know what's going on. Um, I don't, you know, and, and that's what it's really about, but at the, in the same time you can't just say, are you an intentional disciple of Jesus Christ? Cause people have differing opinions of what mm-hmm. that means and right? some who are, may say they're not. And some who aren't mm-hmm. may say they are. And so um, what we did was we, we took out people who said that faith is not a significant part or limited to a familial or cultural cultural part of who they are. So we Mm -hmm. took those people, those out, we took out people who never pray outside of mass. So we didn't want to say like, we didn't want to say an intentional disciple definitely prays seven days a week, but we, but we said, we can Mm -hmm. be sure that if they never pray outside of mass, okay, that's, that's, that's a pretty good indicator. And then also if they said that faith has zero impact on family, their social or their interior life, those, those we also removed. So that left us with 3,137 respondents, which we thought was pretty, a pretty sizable chunk of people given how limiting this, this audience really is actually out there.
0: Yeah, um, I have found that uh, just by uh, virtue of my own efforts and how niche <laughs> it is. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it's something of where even within those criteria um, what you found, and I want you to go ahead and just kind of give a little bit of, a, of an overview um, of the results, but could you first kind of, you know, tell me what were you seeking to measure? So, you know, the the actual goal, and you kind of alluded to it before, but specifically, what were you hoping to find out? What we wanted to know
1: is what does the Faith Live life of a intentional disciple look like in 2022 in america you know what, what what can what are things that we can point to that that we can say all right this is this is what it's like for them um and what are their unmet needs and we wanted to know that across across their faith lives and then we got specific about certain care certain areas like spiritual direction technology mm-hmm. uh community
0: things like that Mm-hmm. Ah, beautiful. So what what, what did you find here? You know, you hear, drum roll, you know, <laughs> for, for people out there. What did you find out?
1: So this is a long report uh, because ah. there was a ton of findings, uh, mm-hmm. but I will I will try to keep it short. So what are the big you, ones? Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll give you the big ones, and then you, yeah. can, you can tell me which ones you want to drill into sure. maybe more. Um, so um, nearly one in five uh, of these respondents are uncomfortable talking about their faith with others. We know that we know their top barriers to evangelization. We know that only 52% are moderately or extremely proactive in sharing their faith with others. I'm referring to my notes over here. That's why. You, oh, sure. You're looking, I just want to make sure I get these numbers. That's right. okay. That's okay. We, uh, we found that more than three quarters are interested in developing their evangelization skills, that almost all respondents use both physical and digital aids in living out the faith, mm-hmm. that nearly half have never received spiritual direction and that more than half do not go on retreat. So those were a number of, I thought, more surprising or interesting findings.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, And uh, But what I saw it as, because of the work that I do, I I saw it as that there we go. These are the things that we need to be focusing upon. Um, I kind of uh, smiled. There's actually one chart that you guys have of where it's you know, uh, you break down the need for growth and low strength, and you uh break into then topics, you know, um, and you talk about you know, high need, you may, made mention of going on retreat, but then also you know. Humility, performing corporal, you know, works of mercy, performing performing spiritual works of mercy. How do I avoid near occasions of sin? Detachment, generosity, regularly going right. to confession, etc. And the reason why I bring those up is I'm like, thank you. You just gave me my series for my YouTube lives for the next six months. Oh <laughs> <was> um, good. <laughs> so uh, but but it was just something of where. I was like, sometimes that's why we use assessment. That's why data is good. Right. We use assessment, not because we should be afraid of it, but because it gives us an actual true picture of what's going on. Yeah. And you, you, you beautifully made the made the mention of we can't tell what's going on in somebody's interior life, but we can intimate. Because of external behaviors, or lack, exactly. more lack thereof. The fact that people don't go on retreat, I can, you know, talk to it from my own perspective. um, And then, you know, I'd love to know, you know, uh, when was the last time you went on retreat, Dave? You
1: know, I am guilty of this. I have to there tell you, I, I, I had a retreat <laughs> scheduled earlier this year that for, a, it's kind of a long story, but it didn't mm-hmm. happen. And I did not yeah. reschedule it. I have a, I have a literally an email to myself sitting in my inbox saying, reschedule the retreat and I haven't done it yet. So I am right. guilty of it as well.
0: There you go. You got, you got a, a resolution coming out of this uh, conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it would be, you know, uh, things would come up or I didn't think I could take the time, uh, you know, especially, you know, as as a mom, you know, it was always there's something, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, you know, one of the beautiful things uh, I think came out of the pandemic was the fact of there are now so many online opportunities. Mm. I mean, there's a plethora. So um, I was blessed in that. And I did it online because I couldn't get away for the whole weekend. Uh, But it was continuing formation that was being offered by the Holy Family School of Faith in Kansas City, Kansas, for the spiritual mentors, you know, who've gone through, including myself. So, uh, that was, that was my retreat, but I, you know, I knew I couldn't travel and be gone for three days, but I knew I could block out the times, you know, to be able to participate through most of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a, it's a difficult one, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm intrigued by what you're talking about that, 20% 20 percent of people one of five are uncomfortable sharing about their faith mm-hmm.
1: yeah so you know this is this was one of the first kind of pieces of the study is just the faith sharing aspect
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know what we so it's interesting because I've gotten different different responses to this stat you know some people mm-hmm. think oh one in five is actually pretty good 82 percent is are at least slightly comfortable talking about their faith with others well I gotta tell you like if, if we're talking about only the most devout Catholics here, one mm-hmm. in five is not good enough. I'm sorry, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, two, yeah. four in five. 18% yeah. are still uncomfortable talking. If, if, if 18% of this audience are uncomfortable, then uh, you, know, you, you better believe that, yeah, exactly. M- mm-hmm. Most Catholics are probably uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, and then when you look at proactivity of sharing the faith, um, only 52% are moderately or extremely proactive that means that only 10% are extremely proactive. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's kind of low. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, when, we, when we talk about barriers to evangelization, so what's causing this, right? Mm-hmm. So here are the top five reasons in order. So the number one is situational appropriateness. Mm-hmm. Following that is lack of confidence, then lack of knowing how to start conversations, mm-hmm. not wanting to offend, and finally lack of experience. That's what people Mm -hmm. cited as their reasons why. But I think a little bit more, hopefully, uh, there was at least 76%, uh, were moderately or extremely interested in, in developing their evangelization skills further. Now that, you know, that unfortunately means that 4% were not interested at all. And 20% were only slightly interested. So Mm -hmm. there's still room to grow, but you know, that's a, that's a healthy number, um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And that's good to know on my end, because I've got an entire, you know, mini evangelization course, uh, the what and the how, and, you know, getting more confident uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, I I can uh, point people towards. But um, it's something of where I think in our world today, we think that when we talk about Jesus, we're thinking that this has to be like a separate conversation Mm -hmm. rather than, In the course of hey so you know hey you said your grandmother was sick you know how is she doing Mm -hmm. and then when you come to find out that she's not doing so well and it's just like well how are you doing Mm -hmm. and you know and then it's like you know well let me pray for your grandmother what's her name and you know and and you just are weaving it in and where it's like you know um i want to make sure that we that i pray for her but can we pray for her right now And then it becomes, uh, then you come back and it's just like, so, you know, uh, is she doing better? And if she's doing better, then you have the opportunity to say, praise God, isn't it beautiful how had the power of prayer. And then somebody might be like, you know, they might respond and they'd be like, well, that had nothing to do with it. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not what I believe. And that's not what I've seen or experienced because and then we're able to share how we've had prayer answered in our life, and it's not this whole separate conversation, mm-hmm. um, you know. Rather, we're introducing people to our best friend in a way that is like, "Hey, I want you to get to know them because mm-hmm. it's changed my life." Mm-hmm. But again, you know, I I understand. I mean, um, in my own family, I mean, our our three uh, our three boys are not practicing the faith, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a heartbreak. Um, but it's also something of where, you know, that God will bring good out of all of it. And, uh, you know, so you, you do the best that you can, but, um, many times it's just, you live it out, you witness to it by your life, but then you have to intentionally begin that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, uh, sometimes, and I, and I get challenged in my own prayer time, whenever it's just like, oh. Oh. I should have said something. And, uh, our Lord will usually be like, yeah, Christina, you're a little worried about your pride there. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to be humiliated. You didn't want to be embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. or I let fear get the better of me. I let Satan convince me that all these terrible boogeyman, you know, situations were going to happen rather than mm-hmm. just sharing and trusting mm-hmm. that Jesus would take care of it. But, yeah. um, So uh, where, where would you put yourself in, in that, uh, in those categories there, Dave? You know, it's, it's a great
1: question. I, you know, I, first of all, I'm, so first of all, one of the things we asked is, is um, how do we phrase it? Is, was, is your faith journey more of a, a single kind of uh, a series of, of Mm. of moments Mm -hmm. or is it a long gradual path? Mm-hmm. serious significant breakthrough moments, we called it, or a long right. gradual path. Mine has definitely been a long gradual path, which means it's not over and it will never be over. Mm-hmm. Um, on some, you know, some days or even some years, I feel like I've been very close to Jesus and and it's and it's been wonderful. And it's I'm not just talking about consolation and prayer. Mm-hmm. you know, just <clears throat> I feel like I'm I'm living the faith uh better than uh, than others. So it it varies, you know. I think <laughs> I think I'm taking steps forward and steps back all the mm-hmm. time. Um you know, to, to your point about um, weaving it into your life, um, that was a big decision I had to make when when deciding to work in ministry uh, full-time, you know, and deciding. To me, like that, that was one instance of, to use Sherry Weddell's phrase, to dropping one's nets, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was really, really concerned with how all of my friends and family and just you know the, just the secular world would 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 look at this decision of mm-hmm. oh he's he's going to some unknown Catholic media company like what's career suicide you know all this stuff. and I I had a lot of that I had a lot of of doubt around that but you know um, mm-hmm. somehow it felt right the spirit gave me the courage and mm-hmm. uh, and I, I you know I, I'm I'm so happy I did I, I can't even imagine working anywhere else now so it's wonderful
0: and that was just a beautiful witness story of how. Jesus has worked in your life,
1: absolutely. Um, and so not and, every time I talk about my job, it comes up. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to yeah. your point, you know. Yeah. No,
0: and, and and that's the the opportunities. Even if we're not in ministry, we have those opportunities of mm-hmm. how did how did you know how is God taking care of us each and every moment? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but especially in the big ones. So another part that you made mention about was uh, about spiritual direction, um, and uh, the fact that people over half the respondents might have experienced it, but only one in five are currently engaged. That's a 20% number that I knew it was low, but I was just like, oh man. Yeah. Um, but then you also pointed out the fact that only four in 10 will know, it, know if it's available nearby. And you made yeah. a great point about, you know, we need heightened visibility uh, and also availability. Um, the availability part, my husband and I both know because of our own work, and we're constantly getting people, you know, but on the other hand, my husband's just like, guys, they they they're not looking. <laughs> yeah. Women tend to tend to look a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the uh, suggestions that that this survey had, a conclusion was simply providing a resource to find spiritual directors might meet most of the existing need. Um, in that area, you know, to heighten the visibility and availability. So I just wanted to brainstorm for a moment, which is who and where do you think that resource should be created?
1: That's a great question. I mean, and I, by the way, I just want to, I mentioned, mm-hmm. I want to mention that this is, I think that's part of the problem, but you mm-hmm. know, uh, what we also found was that of those who have not ever received uh, spiritual direction, 33% say, I do not really understand spiritual direction, right. a, whole, a full third. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely education and education piece, you know, going back to that funnel, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. We've got to, you know, we've got to make sure that people actually know what they're even talking about. I, you know, I have never heard a priest uh, uh, mention spiritual direction in in a public setting ever. Mm. Uh, You know, so, you know, the fact that this is not, this is just an underemphasized part of our faith, I think, Mm -hmm. um, certainly of the spiritual journey and what it means for discipleship, by the way, Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something that I don't have the source for which I don't usually like to do but I it just it it bears so much on this um so if I find it'll I'll send it I'll send it to you what, what that's okay is. um mm-hmm. but a friend was telling me about this so apparently in the Diocese of Erie they did a thing where they offered spiritual direction to the kids that were going through confirmation class mm-hmm. and uh and I guess they had an incredible uh pickup rate I think nearly 100 percent of the people who were offered it took it so these students mm-hmm. And then what's, what's more is that 90 something percent stayed with the faith through high school and college and continued to go to mass and and stayed engaged Mm -hmm. because they had spiritual directors and it just mattered so much. So going back to your question, you know, what are we, what what can be done or what's the format Mm -hmm. that this should take? Um, I I think it can, I think there's, I think any and all, (laughs) honestly, I think Mm -hmm. there's room for, for all kinds of things. I think that, um, Religious orders probably need to get a little bit more out there and, and let people know that they exist, because usually pastors are overwhelmed, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, I, I don't see that being the, the main. In fact, I remember being told I have a spiritual director now, but once upon a time, I was told I needed spiritual direction after a, a particular confession that I had done. And uh, and, I, and I was asking the, uh, the pastor, are you offering? And he's like, uh, <laughs> why don't you let me know if you can't find someone <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I ended up finding someone and actually because of the person who introduced me to them, I end up doing my spiritual direction on Zoom.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: this is a person who lives uh, in Indiana, actually. Yeah. And it totally works. I mean, we really, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you still need to, to, its it still requires that same kind of fit finding that, that mm-hmm. you need to do like you would with mm-hmm. a therapist or something. But um, yeah. So um, I think, so anyway, that, that leads to online spiritual Mm -hmm. direction. I know that there's, there are some resources for finding, you know, Catholic spiritual direction online, um, both just listings of here's, here are some in your area. Mm -hmm. And also here are some that you could do online. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and also I, I keep hearing more and more about laity getting like yourself uh, uh, becoming um, certified in spiritual direction. So it's really nice to see that it's becoming more available, but I still think there's room for uh, better listings and also better, better uh, moments where we find it, you know, to, to send that person an invitation to be looking into this, right?
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree with everything that you said. Um, probably one of the things that I think is most important is if people have experienced it in a positive way, then they are going to go and seek it out. But most people don't understand what it's about. And then they, you know, think that, well, I'm not holy enough yet. You know, so I'll kind of get it together and then I'll go find one. And it's just like, no, that's not how it works. I do want to point out something you, you uh, made mention about, um, you know, uh, lay people getting involved. And um, so many people will think, oh, I don't know enough. I can't, there's no way I could ever do this. And I want people, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know I'm probably gonna mess up his name, but Jan Terolnowski. but he It was in Poland, and he was leading a, a group of young men in a rosary group. And then the Soviets came in and in order to be able to, and the priests were arrested. So in order to you know continue to form, he had uh, brought these young men together and they were praying the rosary together. And, and then he trained them to go and do the same thing with groups. And they continued until their bishop and priests were eventually released and um, but the fact is, is that there was a young man that was a part of Jan Taranowski's original group, uh, someone who we call St. John Paul II today. Hmm. Jan was a laborer. He was not, quote, a theologian by any you know, stretch of the imagination, but he helped the boys learn how to pray, particularly meditation, meditative prayer. And then he lived out his faith in sharing it with others. I don't think he would have turned himself a catechist either, Mm -hmm. but it's something of where God will use us in our gifts if we're willing to say yes. And that's part of where my own apostolate comes in. But yeah, um, that whole conversation, I think it's a a both. And Um, I would love to see uh, this kind of effort at the USCCB mm. to create a national database um, of which, uh, you know, there are some things that have been done. I know was a Catholic uh, spiritual directors, you know, listing, but I would love to have that be brought in, in which all the dioceses are providing that um, in all religious communities, and you know everyone's like, okay, who do you have that can do this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and and create that national database. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I I have such admiration for Archbishop uh, Joseph Nauman in Kansas City, Kansas, because he understood, and that's where the Holy Family School of Faith started their spiritual, you know, mentoring uh, school, Um, and he said, if we're going to have saints, they're going to need spiritual mentors to help accompany them, Mm. because we can't get there on our own, Mm -hmm. and, you know, but the fact that he understood that, and he put, you know, money where his mouth was, um, and uh, so I'll I'll keep following up. So, Gosh, I can't believe our time's already gone. Um, but uh, a little follow up question, because I know that we've just touched the, you know, the surface of everything. So I wanted to ask, how would it be best for people to become more aware of where they can go and access the full report and, uh, and they can learn more about what we've been talking about? Yeah. So, uh,
1: desalesmedia.org, uh, is where you can find us. Um, that's, that's Desales like St. Francis Desales, okay. our patron, uh, D E S A L E S media.org discipleship is where this report is for free. You can go download it online. Um, and yeah, that's also where you can find a contact form to get in touch with us. Of course, we're on me- social media as well, but I I would personally love to hear from people if they want to talk more about this. Uh, so uh, feel free to reach out and we can start the conversation.
0: Wonderful. So i like to tie it all up, you know, as the individual in the midst of community and you've done such a, a beautiful, you know, you know, given the church, such a beautiful gift here. Um, so what's been one habit or practice or idea even that's been key for you to live out the life God created you for? That's a great question. Um, You know, I think the biggest thing for
1: me has been, do you know how how sometimes you meet someone and it seems like you might just be in the presence of a saint, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: keeping that person close and Mm -hmm. as close as you can, and just, you know, it's just like, you know, rub off on me a little bit more, you know, like, could you just keep talking about what you're talking about? Like, so that's, that's really been the biggest thing for me is just, uh, you know, and they, and they, you know, people, people say like, you heard that phrase, um, we are, we're like an average of, of the closest five people Mm -hmm. in our lives or something. So Mm -hmm. go figure. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's been like, so having that, that really, really good influence, um, uh, around has been, has made all the difference for me.
0: Uh, what you're, what you're referring to in is what I call, you know, having that cluster of, of saints around you, um, mm-hmm. that small group of like-minded people who are going to encourage you to become that saint that you were created to be. Yeah.
1: They're modeling it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. great to have, we obviously scripture is wonderful and the lives of the saints are wonderful, but when it's in the flesh and you're interacting with them in person, there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. So.
0: Yeah. Yep, no, absolutely. So seeking out that close group of friends that will help you on the journey, you know, I, I, I can't recommend it enough friendship, um, you know. Think about what would have happened if Andrew, you know, hadn't brought his brother or uh, James and John, of course, were brothers already. But then Nathaniel wouldn't have shown up because, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, it, it wouldn't have happened if there wasn't friendship. So yeah,
1: this is why know? small groups are so important. <laughs> yes. Do not neglect small groups. That's what it is. That's what it's mm-hmm. for.
0: Yeah. no exactly um and so for us to be seeking that that out um is so important well thank you so much dave it's been such a pleasure um having having a chat with you and breaking open some of these findings um because as we were talking uh, you know before you know data is so good because it really gives us a true picture of where we are um, so again, thank you. And I look forward to uh, connecting with you again, because I'd love to have more conversations uh, again about this.
1: Likewise, please do. Thanks, Christina. It's been great to be here.
0: All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us and know of my continued prayers for each and every one of you that you may be able to have the strength and courage to be able to continue doing whatever it takes so that together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless everybody. <laughs> So, what might be some resolutions that you could take from our conversation today? Well, one would be for you to go and check out the report at desalesmedia.org and go and check out uh, the full report um, that you know, has the results from the Intentional Disciples study and take a look at it and learn what are the things that the people, if you have a heart for evangelization finding out what are the barriers that people have in order to really come closer to God, or what are some barriers perhaps you can identify with that you have to sharing your story. And then next resolution would be take and create one small concrete resolution, something that's small, concrete, and doable that you're able to be able to get better in whatever it is that you have you know, identified for yourself, particularly to evangelize or a particular habit that an intentional disciple, you know, has been identified as having um, for you to do the same. And the final is, is go and use the spiritual assessment uh, tool that I have on my own website. Uh, you can go and download it at yes to holiness.com. And you're able to use that in order to Create uh, a plan for yourself and determining how it is that I'm going to make the the next few months, the next week, uh, the next year, um, my best one ever as I continue to grow in my relationship with Christ and with others so that I am becoming more and more that intentional disciple that they were talking about. everyone Christina Simmons here and you know, as we're beginning the new year, I know a lot of us will set resolutions for ourselves, and we have every intent of especially to pray more, to give more generously, do more works of mercy, more spiritual reading, whatever. But the fact is, is that many times we fail to do these things, right? And we fall back into our old habits. Well, one of the things that I have done within the Say Yes community is I've created a self-guided online course that you are able to go ahead and go through the steps so that you can put first things first in your life. And what that means is, is that you're putting God first and you're ensuring that you are cultivating the habits that you need in order to do exactly that. So one of the biggest reasons why we should do that is so that we can become those saints that God created us to be, but even more so so we can become more like Jesus. So what I'm inviting you to do is just go to to SayYesToHoliness.com, click on the Say Yes Community, it says Self-Directed Online Courses, click on it, and check out the First Things First course. Um, One of the great things that have been able to do is is a pay-what-you-want Opportunity. So, in other words, you can pay a dollar or you can pay a hundred dollars. Whatever it is that this is worth to you, you can do. So, I'm trying to make sure that there's no cost barrier for people being able to do what they need to do to become the saints that God created them to be. So, go and check it out. Go to sayyestoholiness.com and click on the online courses in the Say Yes community. First things first, check it out. And I look forward to seeing you there. God bless. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes. Or you can visit my website at sayyestoholiness.com or send me an email at Christina Simmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we've begun here today. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we tell the master of death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation with you again soon. God bless.